Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. We're preaching through and teaching through the Gospel of Luke. There is so much in the Gospel of Luke, and we are excited at what God is, is doing in and through His church through this Gospel. Amen. Becky gave me the glorious opportunity and ministry of... Uh, being up at our cottage this weekend where we hosted uh, all of her workers uh, in the nursery and uh, 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 fine arts, children's fine arts ministry, I did not know what I was getting into. And I'm used to working with big kids with big problems. I'm not used to working down in the lake water with little kids and Will you inflate this for me, Pastor? <laughs> it was a glorious minute. One hour, one hour before they all came. Horror upon horror, nightmare upon nightmare, the kitchen sink went plugged. I mean, you try throwing a party, you try throwing a dinner when your kitchen sink is all plugged up. And, and uh, she's all uh, worried about uh, her party. I'm worried about my pocketbook. The last time that had happened, $269 to unplug it. And, and so, uh, pastor is just a little stressed at this point. And, and uh, I, I tried hot water through it. Nothing happened. Just plugged it up even more. The sink filled. Went down and I removed the trap. And uh, just praying that, you know, the trap was all gummed. Nope. It was clear, clean as a whistle. And so I thought, I'll, oh, I got some super powerful Home Depot Drano commercial type stuff. I mean, it'll not only melt the plug, it'll melt your pipes too. And so put that down twice, gave it a treatment. Nothing happened. I laid hands on it. In the name of Jesus. Should have done that in the beginning. In the name of Jesus, oh Jesus, help us. And uh, Becky, I said, honey, now I had asked her before, what did you put down that? She said, nothing. And her sister was there helping uh, her, nothing but water. And I asked her, I said, honey, will you please be honest with me? Well, we put some garbage down it. There's no garbage disposal unit. This is a septic field, septic tank. We put some garbage down it. I, I poured some hamburger grease down it. I was nice. I was good. I just prayed harder. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I said, do you have a plunger anywhere? I put that plunger on it. Hope you enjoyed those sound effects. We work hard at it. I heard something pop, and that sink just drained right down. I said, glory to God, hallelujah. He's on the throne, and everything's all right. Amen. I had church right there at the sink. <laughs> Plugged up sink. A barrier to the flow of water in that sink. Barriers. They come into our lives. Most of the time, they come into our lives as invited, self-imposed, mental, spiritual, relational, emotional barriers. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Luke chapter 18 is all about barriers. It's all about it. The whole chapter is about self-imposed, embraceable, satanically inspired barriers. But Luke 18 also holds a great promise. If you want to write a key word that describes the whole chapter of Luke 18, write this word down. Expectation. <laughs> Expectation. We're going to talk a lot about it this morning as we preach a word aptly titled, Breaking Barriers. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us 
through your word this morning. God, bring release. Release from self-imposed barriers. Satanically inspired strongholds. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let faith arise. In your name and for your glory, amen and amen. Read with me Luke 18 verse 1. Follow along in the sermon study guide. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Do you know anybody that doesn't fear God and doesn't care what people think? That's the kind of person that she was dealing with. Even though I don't fear God and I, I, I don't care what, what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes again, will he find faith? Another word that you could write for faith would be expectation. Will he find expectation? On the earth. Many people today that would be dealing with this judge would say, ah, I guess I'll just have to put up to live with the way things are. You know, it's, not just, it, it's, it's just not worth the fight. You can't fight City Hall. You know, nothing's going to change this judge's mind. I'll never get justice. I'm just not connected well enough. Do you know some people that can make, in Macomb County, they can just make one phone call, and it doesn't matter what the crime is. It can get, it can get taken care of real quick. I'm just not connected well enough. I might as well look the other way and give up the fight. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. Not this widow. What do you see in this, this woman's mind and spirit? Though everything was stacked against her, her expectation for victory was so high, she kept persisting, she kept persevering, she kept pushing against the closed doors, and she prevailed because of it. There it is. Jesus is teaching us something here. Write it down if you're following along. Jesus' focus in the parable of the persistent widow was not, not portraying God as an unjust judge. Rather, his emphasis was the power of expectation for the miraculous in prayer. I want you to know that many Christians miss pivotal opportunities in their lives because they've allowed barriers in their minds, their spirits, to keep them from God's best. Barriers of mediocrity that allow them to accept the status quo. It, you know, it's always been this way. My dad was this way. I'm this way. It's always going to be this way. Mental barriers of doubt and fear. Uh, uh, low self-esteem that, that squashes any type of faith, confident expectation in what God can do, what God will do. Spiritual barriers uh, of guilt, regret, hurts from the past that, that keep us from receiving the new things that God wants to do in our lives. When a great opportunity comes along, rather than launching out, rather than believing for God's best. So many today say, well, you know, 
That could happen to Pastor Phil, or that could happen to Elder Sam Giordano. Uh, that could happen to Deacon Reno Palazzolo, but that won't come in my life. Uh, it, it, just, it just won't come that way. It's too good to be true. Mental, emotional, spiritual barriers are what the Bible calls strongholds. That's just what Paul called it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. For the weapons of our warfare are not man-made or carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds are active points of satanic resistance in our lives. It's where we have swallowed a lie from the enemy. God doesn't hear my prayers. God's still punishing me for what I did 23 years ago. I'm unworthy. I'm no good. God loves other people more than He loves me. Lies that we have swallowed from the enemy, active points of satanic resistance, strongholds, wrong thinking patterns, unbiblical thoughts. These barriers are often uh, built up in our lives when we choose to believe and receive what others speak into our lives of negativity and what the devil speaks into our lives. What negative words have been spoken into your life? Have you been told you're going to be a failure? Have you been reminded that you're a loser? A nobody? Were you brought up with the admonition you'll never amount to anything? We wish we never had you. Were you brought up with that? Has that negativity been spoken into your life? It's no wonder there's a barrier, a barrier that you need to deal with. Stop ignoring it. And you need to deal with it in your life. That's right. Write it down. How would you characterize your expectation for God to act in your life? High or low? High or low? In His parable of the persistent widow, Jesus wants us to realize that God usually meets us at our level of expectation. Why aren't we experiencing the victory? Why aren't we experiencing the miraculous? Why aren't we experiencing divine prosperity, divine favor? God is looking for high expectation. And God will meet you at your level of expectation. You see, your expectations will set the boundaries for your life. On your day off, sometime when you have a day off, sometime when you have time, I challenge you to go through the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And, and note, highlight how many times when Jesus did a miracle, when Jesus performed a healing, mark down how many times Jesus said, be, let it be according to your faith. According to your faith. According to your faith. Let it be according to your Be it done to you. The Message Bible says this, Become what you believe. The principle here, God meets us at our level of expectation. There's a part for you to play in the miraculous. There's a part for you and I to play when God answers our prayers. I need to give you a, a deep, theological, profound revelation and truth. I want to talk about fishing. My fishing. My bass fishing history. All of my adult life in this season of my life, I've wanted, I've wanted to be a great fisherman. I've wanted to catch not little fish, but big fish. And I've only, in my whole life, have only caught little fish, panfish, little perch, little bluegill, little sunfish, and little bass. I can go out fishing at our cottage, and I can catch 
bluegill after bluegill, perch after perch, and even 10-inch bass and 12-inch bass all day long. And what is aggravating, what is frustrating, I believe that it is just satanic, is all around my boat. These humongous bass are jumping out of the water and splashing around my boat. And, and I've said, God, why can't I catch those bass? I can catch the little bass, but I can't catch those big bass. Until this weekend. Greetings from the lovely state of Michigan, God's country in the summertime. And I'm here to show today's catch. Uh, I was out and fishing bluegills and perch, and I saw this huge bass come by. And I thought, I wish I could catch a bass like that. And look at here. I pulled, I didn't catch him. I caught a little bluegill, and it the bluegill, and I pulled him both in. He's 20 inches long. Look at the size of this guy. He's got a mouth, this big mouth bass. You'd lose your whole fist in it. Uh, look at the size of my foot here. Gives you a good idea. Five inches is this part. So come out, join us. A pleasant life. And you can have a big bass day as well. Thank you for watching my big bass video. The largest catch of my life. I'm glad that you can be a part of it. Look out, Bass Pro. Here I come. <laughs> hey. Uh, and by the way, uh, Becky and I were the videographers of this. This is why it's so professional. <laughs> and for you, you animal lovers out there, even though Becky was encouraging me to stuff it and mount it, Pastor let him go. And he swam away. Yeah. My dad, I just, when he hears about this, he's, why didn't you eat it? Uh, he was just too beautiful. I let him go. Let him swim away. Hey, many times we're like my bass fishing history. For your life and my life, all we've known are, are little bass. We have relegated ourselves to expect only little bass miracles in our lives. That's all we've ever known is a certain level of living. We become comfortable with a certain way of thinking. We become comfortable with the grades we get at school. We become comfortable with the career we have. We become comfortable with the income we have. We become comfortable with our business success, our marital success, our status quo, our level of mediocrity, even our mundane, mediocre, miserable Christian life. How did I catch that big bass? I don't know if you caught it in the video. But I was just fishing out for bluegill. I, my expectation was so low, I wasn't even using my pole that has my, my, my brand. I bought a brand new bass pole with all brand new lures. I read the book, and I wasn't even using it. I was using like a little kid's push button rod and reel, and I was just going out pan fishing just for a few minutes, just using a worm. And, and I was catching bluegill, and I saw this big bass like a submarine underwater i could see it you know so what i did i cast my line toward it i said there's a part for you to play honey sir ma'am have you been living life in low expectation start casting your line towards high expectation that's where i'm at and what happened i caught a bluegill i didn't know this until i pulled everything into the boat i did catch a bluegill but that big bass caught the bluegill, and I pulled them both into the boat. I was scared to death when I brought it in the boat, and I'm going like this. I'm stepping on it, trying to, I just knew it was going to jump out. Hallelujah. Cast your line towards your miracle. Cast your line towards your high expectation. Cast your line towards what you need in your life from God. Believe for the best. 
because we serve a great God. We serve a good God. We serve him who has said, my God is able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly more than what we can imagine, ask, or think. That's Bible. Will you do it? Will you cast your line towards bigger and better? What kind of barriers has the enemy built in your life that have dampened your expectation for the miraculous? To get out of that, claim and confess. Believe and receive the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus your Lord. Let your expectation of your God who cannot and, and will not fail you grow in your spirit. Cast uh, your line out to the big bass uh, of your life. God has a big bass. Uh, he wants you to enjoy, but you've got to do your part. Uh, you've got to keep casting your line towards what God has promised to bring about in your life. This is what the heroes of the faith did. This is what you and I can do as we let expectation grow and not diminish. Part two, breaking the sin barrier. Matthew or Luke 18.10, Luke 18.10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Have you ever heard people pray like that? I hope not. I hope you haven't prayed like that. God, I thank you I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector who's praying over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. How did the tax collector pray? He stood at a distance, the Bible said. He wouldn't even look up into heaven. But he beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Hallelujah. God reveals four aspects to this barrier called sin. The sin barrier is no light matter. Aspect number one of the sin barrier, God's holy character. God's holy character. A sinner can have no relationship with a holy God. The Bible says, Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Without holiness, the Bible says, No man can see God. He is a holy God who cannot, who cannot view or relate to sin. Second aspect of the barrier called sin, sin creates a debt. Sin creates a debt. It's kind of like what I used to say to my children when they were growing up. You do the crime, then you do the time. That's right. We've created a debt. We owe. We owe a debt that we cannot pay. Sin creates a debt with God. That's why we have words like redemption in the Bible. Third aspect of this barrier that is called sin. The third aspect to this barrier that is called sin. If you want to take notes, you can write it down. Spiritual death. Spiritual death. The moment, the moment that you sin or the moment that you're really birthed and born because we're sinners by behavior and we're also sinners by behavior or, or, or by our nature. Sinners by nature, sinners by behavior. We have contracted an infectious disease, a deadly eternal disease called sin from our first two parents, Adam and Eve. The Bible says we're conceived in sin, with a sin nature, and then we become sinners by doing sin. That creates spiritual death. We're short-circuited. We can have no fellowship with God. God cannot hear our prayers. There's no relationship whatsoever with God. We're like the walking dead, spiritual zombies. Dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sin. If you experience, what happens? What happens if you experience physical death while you are spiritually dead? 
What happens if you experience physical death while, you're be, while you are dead in your trespasses and sin? Then you will face eternal death. Eternal separation from God. What do we call eternal separation from God? Not heaven. We call it, you got it. You got it. Barriers. Barriers. Sin barriers. And then there's the slavery to Satan barrier. Sin is rebellion. Who is the greatest rebel that has ever existed? Satan. The fact that you're a sinner puts you in partnership with the greatest sinner of all, the greatest rebel of all. Satan. You are in partnership with him. The barriers called sin. So what hope, what hope, what hope do we have with this barrier called sin? The tax collector had a confident expectation. He cried out to God for mercy. He actually used the Hebrew form of the mercy seat upon which the priest once a year would sprinkle the blood, the blood of the Lamb, and God would turn aside His wrath. God would see the blood and not the sins of His people. He was actually crying out to God, have mercy seat on me. In the literal Hebrew as we transpose it from the Greek, what is our hope? It doesn't matter how deep the pit of sin of your past is. I don't care what's gone down in your history. You might say to me, preacher, you don't know. You don't know what's in my, my skeleton closet. I don't care how deep, how, how dark, how, 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 how fathomless, how nightmarish, how grotesque, how awful, how horrendous your pit of sin is. His grace is deeper still. Hallelujah! What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. By the way, that wasn't a hip-hop rap. That was an old hymn of the faith that we can't sing enough. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Breaking the family curse barrier. This sermon's about, Luke 18's about breaking barriers. How many of you need to break a family curse within your family circle? Think about it. Luke 18, verse 15's the key. People were also bringing babies to Jesus. For him to place his hands on them. That's why we have child or baby dedication services here at Lakeside. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Luke 18, 15, up in the booth. Are we awake up in the booth? Is everybody, there you go. People were also bringing babies to Jesus. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Never enter it. I submit to you that, write it down, many Christians have invited a barrier of natural and spiritual failure onto their families that in many ways becomes a self-imposed curse. I must have forgot to underscore it, so you underscore it. Self-imposed curse. Would you underscore that? Would you highlight it? Encircle it. Self-imposed curse. Did you hear about the boy that went to his grandma and said, Grandma! I want an honest answer. Kids at school have been asking me, and I, I need an honest answer. Where do babies come from? Well, child, uh, you know grandma's garden? You know those turnips? Babies come from those turnips. When those turnips first come out of the ground, uh, that's where babies come from. Are you sure, Grandma? So he went to his mommy. He said, Mommy, 
I want an honest answer. Where do babies come from? I can't believe you're already asking this, Johnny. Well, it's the stork, white stork, that brings... You were brought by a white stork to our front door, and that's where you were left in diapers, and that's how we found you. You came, a white stork flew you through the air and left you on our doorstep. When Johnny went back to school to answer his friend's questions on where babies came from, he said, I just got to be honest with you all, there hasn't been a normal birth in my family for generations. <laughs> all joking aside, is that what you're saying? There hasn't been normalcy in our family chain for generations? I'm almost convinced, Pastor, there's a family curse. Maybe you were raised in a very negative environment growing up. Perhaps uh, one that was loaded with complaining and, 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 and a critical spirit or depressing, depressing attitudes. Uh, you know, people, uh, parents that would complain when the sun is out, that the grass would dry up, complain when it would rain, that uh, the grass would turn brown. Always find the, the worst, the negative in things. Perhaps you grew up in a family where you were surrounded by mediocrity, halfway living. You know, just paying the bills was good enough. We're never moving forward in our savings. We're never moving forward in our finance. We're never moving forward in our career. You know, it was good enough for granddad. It was good enough for grandpa. It was it's good enough for my dad. It's good enough for me. Or maybe you were surrounded with addictive behaviors, drinking, abusing drugs. Or maybe you were surrounded with abuse, verbal and emotional, physical, sexual. I admonish you this morning. Here's the key. Be like those parents who determined to make a difference from all the other generations, they would bring their children to Jesus. Think of it. They were the first parents ever to bring their families, to bring their little children to Jesus for His blessing. And they were determined in this. Despite the fact the disciples rebuked them, despite the, those that assisted Jesus turned them away, they were determined. They expected blessing to come from the hands of Jesus. And they got what they expected. I want you to catch a hold of that. Yes. Write it down. Likewise, the Lord wants you to move in confident expectation with your family by being a change agent for Him and to leave your family, to leave your household a legacy of faith. You see, many excuse their negative lives, their, 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 their negative marriages, their negative families by saying, you know, you can't change. You can't change what's in the blood. You, you can't change what's in the genes. Uh, you know, my dad had a short fuse. I'm Irish. I've got a short fuse too. You just can't change it. Maybe you were raised in a negative environment, but you don't have to be tempted to use your upbringing as an excuse to live the same way. Amen? Determined to bring your family to Jesus. Determined to follow Jesus. Determined to do what Jesus would do. Determined to live your life, order your life, and order your family's life by the teachings, the commands of Jesus. Hallelujah! Jesus said, if you abide in Me and My words, My words abide in you, you will be <laughs> happy and holy. You will enjoy life to its fullest extent. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. There it is. Amen. Determined to bring your family to Jesus. Determined to seek His blessings. Expect His blessings. Expect His favor to come upon you and your family. 
Be the change agent in your family chain. Somebody, somewhere, sometime has to finally stand up and say, enough is enough. Drinking and abusing drugs has been in my family chain generation after generation and generation. Enough is enough. I will break the curse with God's help. I expect His favor. I expect His healing. I expect His victory. I'm going to break the chain. Hallelujah. My mother retold the story of her mother just recently. I never, never knew my grandma Cooley. She died when I was six months old, in her late 40s. At age 16, she found Jesus. The moment she found Jesus and gave her life to Jesus, her mother kicked her out of the house put all of her belongings in a cardboard box and said, bye, we're not going to have any of that around here. Her mother even called the local city sheriff to tell the police to be on the lookout for her daughter that she was kicked out of the house because she had quit going to the parties, the drinking, the dancing. She had quit living a worldly lifestyle. The police captain said, I wish my daughter was like that. Do you realize what you've done? My grandma was invited back home where she was a witness, a light and darkness to her family. My grandma ended up becoming a credentialed pastor, going to Bible school. She was a preacher. She was the first secretary treasurer of the Assemblies of God in the District of Michigan. She's the one and only woman that has ever served in that distinction for the Assemblies of God here in the state of Michigan. My grandpa, my grandpa Christ. My grandpa Christ grew up in a farmer's home, a home that was filled with physical abuse, sexual abuse, drinking, alcoholism, incest. Terrible. My grandpa... Grandpa Harvey, many of you have heard the story, had red hair, and he was known as the Red Devil. His temper was so vicious, so terrible. At age 17, living the most worldly life that you could live in that generation, a knock came on the door. It was a Salvation Army worker. And the Salvation Army worker said, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that you're going to heaven and not to hell? And my grandpa gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. My grandpa, my grandpa, Harvey Christ, who became a pastor of 50 years here in Michigan, my grandpa, Harvey Chris, won his whole family to Jesus Christ before they died. His whole family. I stand before you here today because two people, a grandma on my mother's side, a grandpa on my father's side, stood up and said, we're not going to allow the family curse to continue. We're going to be change agents. We're going to break the family chain. <laughs> we're not going to be a link in a chain that's called a chain of curse. We're going to be a chain of life and victory and blessing. I'm preaching here this morning because they decided to be change agents. How about you? How about you? How many of you, how many of you, how many of you, and I'm not going to, because I know who most of you are, and if you don't raise your hand, I'll call you out. How many of you lost your job or had a change of jobs during the Great Recession, during that time period? Lift up your hand high. Look at this. Look at this. Sure. Sure. And there was many of you that I sat down with and I said, I don't want you to look at this as a negative entirely. Look at it as a positive. God, somehow, sometime, somewhere, 
God is going to bring you through. God is going to bring provision because that is His promise. That is His character. He's a generous God. He's a good God. And He said, I will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus your Lord. God is giving you a testimony. God is giving you a testimony for your children and your children's children and their children barring the rapture of the church. God is giving you a testimony, a story of faith. And how dad, <laughs> granddad, how mom, grandma trusted God. Her expectation was high that God would come through somehow, some way. And you'll be able to hand down that story of faith to your children's children. How God met the need even during the Great Recession. And that's going to be worth more than gold as you leave a legacy of faith, a heritage of holiness. You're going to be a change agent with your family. Glory to God. Expectation. God wants every generation to go further than the previous generation in Him. Maybe you come from a long line of divorce. Failure. Depression. Sickness. Or other personal or family problems. Today is the day to say, enough is enough. I'm going to pass. Uh, I'm not going to pass these negative attitudes to my family. I'm not going to pass these generational curses to my family. I'm going to rise up and declare that my faith, my trust, my expectation is in my God who cannot and who will not fail me. I'm going to break that cycle. I'm going to change my expectations. I'm going to start believing God for bigger and better in the name of Jesus. Part four, breaking the self barrier. I want to go through this one quickly. Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, murder, steal, give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these, he said, I've kept since I was a boy. This is a good, good young man that Jesus is talking to. He's a man of character, integrity. But Jesus sees something missing. Listen, when the surgeon of your soul puts his spiritual x-ray on you, we would like to say, ha, I've gone to church all my life. I can't even remember when I became a Christian. Surely, I must meet your standards, Lord. That's what this young man was saying. Listen to what Jesus says. You still lack one thing. I like the King James Version. One thing thou lackest. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Is Jesus saying that you are to sell everything you have and give all your money to the church so that you can be a follower of His? Oh. I wish you believed that. <laughs> Teasing, joke, joke. No, he's not. No, he was putting his finger on the issue, the root of the problem that this young man did not see. This young man had a greed problem. This young man had a selfish problem, a self-directed, self-centered problem. Hope you see this here, of what he lacked. Am I losing all of my young people this morning? They're all leaving on me. Okay. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Get a hold of that. This young, rich ruler, Jesus, put his finger on the problem. That was his downfall, his barrier. 
his stronghold. He was embracing self-confidence instead of God-confidence. He failed to understand that by giving, he was gaining. He failed to understand that by following Jesus and leaving everything behind, he wasn't losing. He was winning by exercising a God-confident expectation. He was going to enjoy real blessing, real favor, real prosperity. Uh, This would all come into his life. You don't believe me? Then listen to what Jesus promised next. Because all of a sudden, when this young man walks away, Peter, Peter who, who was never short on words, Peter who usually opened mouth, insert foot, Peter asked this question. Notice what Peter said. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife, brothers or sisters, or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive some times as much as, as in this age? No, many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. What is Jesus saying? Jesus say, is saying here, if you choose to follow Him, you'll receive blessings, you'll receive divine favor, you'll receive divine prosperity in ways that money can never purchase or buy, not just in the life to come, but right now, in the here and now. Do you see that there? When you look at Matthew's Gospel regarding this, Matthew is able to record Jesus saying 100 times as much. Some of you number crunchers calculate that. You'll find out that's 10,000% interest if you follow Jesus. I think that's a little better deal than putting your money in a savings account in your local bank where you're getting what? 0.75% interest? Jesus promises 10,000% interest. In other words, unbelievable, unimaginable blessing if you'll follow Him and let Jesus be Lord of your life. Expectation. Expectation. The young rich ruler's expectation was in his money. As for me and my house, And how about you? It will be in the Lord who cannot and who will not fail us. Hallelujah. My God, your God, shall supply all of our need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Mark it down. God wants to bless us more than we have the expectation to receive. I want to remind you, your source is not your money. Your source is not your background. Your source is not your blue blood. Your source is not your education. I understand that. Your source is not your upbringing. Your source is not Detroit's big three. It's not Wall Street. It's not the White House. Hallelujah. Your source is God. His creativity, His blessings, His resources, which are unlimited. One idea from God could revolutionize your business. One creative idea could revolutionize your life in the natural. And change forever what God desires to do in you. God can do anything if you expect it. You can do more. You can have more. You can be more today by looking beyond where you're at and looking to where you want to be in Christ Jesus. Lastly, breaking the vision barrier. Jesus approaches Jericho. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Told him to shut up. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your what? Or you can put the word expectation has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. 
Oh, would you write it down with me? Despite blind Bartimaeus's barriers, he moved in confident expectation that with Jesus, he would see. I mean, imagine, imagine Bartimaeus's barriers. Imagine this young man's barriers. He's blind. So if you're blind, what do you look like on the outside? In that day and time, he's filthy. He smells. He's awkward. He's a beggar. He's the stigma of the city. He's a loser. He's a nobody. What are his barriers? And even when Jesus comes to town, when the healing, <laughs> loving, peace-giving presence of Jesus comes to town, what do the church people tell him to do? What do they tell Bartimaeus to do? Shut up! As he cries out to Jesus. Think of the barriers that Bartimaeus had to overcome, but he refused to be held back by his barriers. Bartimaeus uh, let his expectation level rise. Uh, Jesus is here. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is able. All things are possible to Jesus. Write it down. Our attitudes and actions as Christians will always, always, always follow our expectations in our Lord. Always. Low expectations will trap you in spiritual mediocrity, a, 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 a twilight zone of being lukewarm. High expectations will motivate you. High expectations, confidence in your God who will not fail, will move you forward in your life by raising your level of expectation. I want you to know it's not a passive process. I want you to know that if you want to raise your level of expectation, you must actively, actively think God thoughts. Think God thoughts. Thoughts of victory. Thoughts of abundance. Thoughts of uh, a blessing. Thoughts of divine prosperity. Thoughts of God's goodness. God's generosity. God's love in your life. Thoughts that are, that, that, that are of hope. Good thoughts. Pure thoughts. Excellent thoughts. This is the Word of the Lord. Colossians 3.2, Paul said, set your mind on the things what? Above, not in the things that are on earth. Where's your mind at most of the time? Where do you train your mental thoughts to be at? Your mental processes. If your mind is full of darkness, you'll produce darkness. If your mind is focused on things that are above, you will produce light, glory, goodness, blessing. This is not my word, it's the word of the Lord. Moving in God-confident expectation for God's favor in your life doesn't happen automatically. Right from ground zero in the morning. Yes. How do you get up every morning? Come on. How do you get up every morning? How do you get up every morning? You look out the window. Good God. It's morning. Or do you bounce out of bed and say, Good morning, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. I've checked the newspaper. My name's not in the obituary column. It's going to be a great day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The way you begin your morning will set the direction of your day. The way that you live your day will set the direction of your week, the month, the year, your life. Come on! Don't settle for low expectations. Set your expectations high. I wonder what God's going to do today. I had a deal with a local business woman here in the community that sold me a wrong part that blew out my entire system. Had to replace the entire control panel, about $700. And I went to the place of business last week to ream them out. 
To put a little nugget on this story, I had returned the part a month ago. I've been waiting a month for my money to be reimbursed. Promises were made. I've heard nothing. I walked in the business, and I thought to myself, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. And as I walked in, the Spirit of the Lord checked me. You're not going to give her a piece of your mind. You're going to give her a piece of hell. I don't operate that way. And you're one of mine, and neither will you. You be courteous, and you trust me. You see, this confident expectation, this confident expectation is not just for the big stuff of life. It's not just for the spiritual. You, you can use it even for parking uh, uh, spaces. <laughs> it's called walking in divine favor as a child, a blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing child of the Most High God. And the Spirit of the Lord checked my spirit and said, Don't you dare. You put a guard upon the, 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 the door of your mouth. And I said, Hello, how are we doing? I haven't heard from you. Uh, where are we at? What's the status on this? Long story short, long story short, I was talking to Pauline Wilson, who used to be the pastor's wife of that church. Long story short, come to find out after an hour of ministering to this businesswoman, she attended one of our Assembly of God churches for 20 years. Her and her whole family, they were hurt at that church, have not attended since, and they're away from God. What would have happened if I had given her a piece of my mind, so to speak? Long story short, it was a God thing. What happened to my entire system, uh, uh, the wrong part, the whole nine yards, what had happened uh, was not happenstance or coincidence because God orders the steps of His children, the righteous God was putting us together with this businesswoman so that we can be a mighty witness of His mercy, His love, His grace to turn her around for the glory of God. That's right. All because that morning, let me back up in prayer. I said, God, send somebody across my path today that needs Jesus, that needs your word, that needs your love, that needs your grace. You pray that, God will do that. It's setting the direction of your expectations. It's setting the direction of your life. Listen, refuse to listen to the lies of defeat, the barriers that the enemy wants to erect in your mind and your spirit. God wants you to get your hopes up. Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. One definition of that sort of hope is confident expectancy. Can we put that on the screen? Confident expectancy. Confident expectancy. Yes, it comes right after Hebrews 11 verse 1. Confident expectancy. We can confidently expect the favor of God. We can start anticipating doors of opportunity to open. We can expect to excel in our career. We can expect this school year to be better than last year. We can count on rising above life's challenges. Again, God will meet you at your level of expectation. Bartimaeus cried to Jesus, I want to see. This should be the cry of every believer. To see as God wants to see. How does God want you to see? What kind of vision does God want to give you this morning? God dealt with me uh, on Thursday morning about uh, my way of seeing, my vision. I was so excited when God spoke to me. I wrote a letter to all of our lakeside leadership on how God had spoken to me Thursday morning, on how He wants me to see. How does God want you to see? Matthew 6, verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Remember, we produce what we continually keep in front of us. If you keep an image of blessing, divine prosperity, favor in front of your mind, in your vision, your life will move in that direction. Conversely, 
If you see yourself as barely getting by, if you see your marriage as getting worse and worse, uh, if you see your health constantly going downhill, then most likely your life will gravitate towards that end. You cannot give birth to something that you cannot conceive right up here. You must conceive it on the inside through your eyes of expectation before it will come to pass on the outside. Your vision, what you see, has a tremendous impact on your life. You need to put to death wrong thinking where, where we relegate ourselves to failure. Keep things in front of you that you want to see come to pass. You see, every one of us, every one of us is painting a picture on the canvas called our mind. What picture are you painting in Christ Jesus? Are you painting a picture of failure? Are you painting a picture of low self-esteem, poor self-image, that you're a nobody, that you're a loser? Are you painting a picture of victory? Are you painting a picture of prosperity? Are you painting a picture of God's favor? What kind of picture are you expecting? What kind of picture are you painting upon your mind? Some of us, as I preached last week, have relegated our lives to the baggage dragging of the past. Some of us are painting a picture of negativity because our parents showed us that mirror the whole life that we were brought up in. What kind of picture are you choosing to paint in Christ Jesus? The greatest way I have discovered to repaint the canvas on our minds, the greatest way I have discovered is through praise and worship. Through praise and worship. Praise gets my mind off the problem and onto the problem solver. Praise will turn your prayer closet into a magnificent cathedral. Praise uh, will speak peace, be still in the storm of your life. Praise and worship repaints a mighty God who will not and cannot fail you upon the canvas call your mind, your spirit. Seven years ago, seven years ago, we were getting ready for a garage sale at our home. And as Cindy comes this morning, we were getting ready for a garage sale on our, at our home and Becky was up in our attic. And I want you to know that I have floored the entire attic over my garage. Except in those real tight, narrow places that nobody walks in between the joists. Nobody would walk in there except Becky. I'm working down below and there was an explosion. That, to me it seemed like an explosion. The whole ceiling, nine feet above our concrete floor, exploded. I saw Becky's body falling through. She fell nine feet onto the concrete floor on her back. I immediately called 911. She was transported as the fire truck came and EMS transported to Henry Ford over here at 19 and Hayes and there we sat all night long in ER a neck brace back brace was upon her and I sat there as old Slewfoot whispered in my ear your wife is gonna be paralyzed the rest of her life, your wife is going to be bound to a wheelchair. The rest of her life, it's hopeless. She's paralyzed. She's immobilized. She's dead from the neck down. No! I start begging God. Your pastor who preaches a lot about faith start begging God and saying, please, please, please heal Becky. No, no. And again, another check in my spirit. And the Lord said, stop it. You know I'm the great God. You know I'm a good and a gracious Father. You know I'm not deaf and I've already heard your prayer. Stop pleading and start praising. Stop pleading and start praising. My hands lifted up. My hands lifted up. And 
I don't know if they thought I was crazy. I didn't care. I began singing in tongues. I, I began praising in the Spirit. And the presence of God filled that room. And I believe that Becky received a dramatic healing. Broken arm, but not a broken neck. Broken arm, but not a broken back. A broken arm to let us know that uh, she'd had a big fall. And God was worth all the praise and He was worthy of all the glory. God had spared us from what had seemed a living death. Because He's a good God. He's a great God. Oh, you have one last blank to fill in, don't you? What is it? Get your focus off the problem and onto your God who will not and cannot fail you. Will you do that? Stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a generous Father. He wants to do more in your life than you have faith to receive it and believe it. Today, right now, this morning, how about it? Where's your expectation level? If there was a gauge, a spiritual gauge upon your life, where's your expectation level? Is it low or high? What kind of picture have you been painting on your mind? Huh? What kind of picture have you been painting on your mind about your business, your finances, your marriage? What have you been painting on the canvas about your ministry, your walk with God? Do you really want to see as God wants you to see. The best way to see and have a miracle in your spiritual vision, like Bartimaeus, is to lift up those hands and begin to praise Him who is on the throne. How many? I'm not going to ask for heads bowed. I'm not going to ask for eyes closed. How many are here this morning? And you would say, Pastor, I need a miracle. I need an answer to prayer. I need high expectation for what God wants to do in and through my life. Would you lift up your hand right now? You know who you are. You know who you are. Amen. Amen. As Cindy begins to sing, I want you to have your hands lifted up. I want you to come first. And then the rest of you follow after them. Come. Come right now. Come. Come. Join me down here. Come, come. Let expectation rise. Let faith arise. Hallelujah. Gather around this altar. Spread out. Amen. Spread out. Praise the Lord. Pastors, help me.